Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. So, good morning everybody. Just let me take a moment to get, get a bit of a bead on everybody, see where they all are. It's interesting when you're, oh, there's Robin at the back. When you're preaching your own church for a long time, you get to know where people sit, you know who's going to stay awake, who's going to go to sleep, so it's all new for me this morning. It's going to be interesting to see how it all goes. Um, and as Barb's mentioned, just a bit of a backstory, so I'm a son of the soil, a Mallee boy, I live currently four kilometres from where I was born. Um, and probably about four kilometres where I'm going to be buried. So there you go. <laughs> Interesting fun fact about Paul. But um, yeah, we are honoured to be a part of the Mellow Life Church team and also a part of this team. So we just take this chance to honour Pastor Robin as she does what she do here, as she does here, and the team that supports her. It, um, again, we've, again, for those of you who don't know me, we've had a, a long history with this place. We've been a part of this, connected with this church for nearly 20 years. And so we love the place. And we very much feels like it's a part of our home as well. And I was going to honour Trevor and Gay because they go and often spend some time out visiting us. When we go somewhere else, we send Trevor and Gay. But they're away. <laughs> so again, we don't get to cross their path. But um, it is great to be here with you this morning. So last time we came together, we spent some time in the parable of the lost son. We talked about the two brothers and the prodigal son, the prodigal father. And we talked about the fact that he was the loving father. We read that, this incredible psalm that talks about who God is at that point. This is where we finished off as I spent that time with you. It said, A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is the God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in dry land. So really for me, simply put, the story of the loving father reveals to us that prodigal love, that relentless tsunami-like love that he's prepared to pour out into us regardless. It's a love that doesn't make sense. It's not, uh, not a way that we can ever work out what the transaction actually looks like. It's directed towards us regardless of our attitude towards him. And I had three points, good three-point sermon last time. Lost or not, the son was still a son. That was the one thing I talked about. But we get to choose as lost people. We can choose to say to God, I want to go home. And the third point that I talked about was the fact that if we turn our face towards home, he will run to meet us. And that's great news. And it really, I said, that's, so this is a signature scripture for me and that's why I really wanted to share that first when I came to share with you guys. So that's where we landed that day, with a focus on that loving father, that prodigal, prodigal father that poured that relentless love into the lost son. But then the, the second part of that scripture, the little side mention at the end of that is about the older brother and his reaction. And I want to take the chance to read that scripture. So this is Luke chapter 15, verses 25 to 32. I have to get my glasses organised here. Smaller print. From 25. Now the oldest son was out working in the field when his brother returned. 
And as he approached the house, he heard the music of the celebration and dancing. He called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, Father, listen, how many years have I worked like a slave for you, performing every duty you'd asked as a faithful son, and I've never disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party to me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends, as this son of yours is doing now. Look at him. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living, and here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. The father said, My son, you're always with me by my side, and everything that I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to rejoice and celebrate like this because your brother was once dead and gone, but now he's alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. The older brother. Now, Bob just talked about getting lost as we do the journey. So I'm going to, this is a little bit of a convoluted track, so I'm going to try and navigate your way through this so you don't get lost. I know when some preachers get started, they can disappear down a rabbit hole. But what I'll try and do is we're, not, we're, maybe we're going to take a bit of a detour, but I'll try and indicate we're going to back back and come back in. So just be prepared for that. Stay alert. Stay alert. Stay alert. So how many of us were raised in a Christian home? Yeah, a good percentage of us. And we've known that constant part of church is our lives. And many of us have served throughout our lives in church. So how do you react to the story of the older brother? My reaction is to feel a little bit of compassion for him in some senses. He's, he's done that work. He's served. And we've been there when we felt that resentment that, um, of that younger son, the person that comes in under that relentless love of God. The other story that sticks in my mind is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. We know the story where the, the, the vineyard only goes to collect the workers at six in the morning, I think at nine in the morning, and continues to go through the day and gets down to the last, at five o'clock it goes and gets the last worker, and they all get the same pay. And that created a little bit of eruptions for the guys who started at nine in the morning because they'd worked through the heat of the day, whereas the guy that started at five just got his reward. We understand that story is more about the generosity of the Father than it is about what we can do. We can be drawn again into doing enough to get our reward, to, to being good enough to get our reward. But as I said so many times, the transaction that occurs in life is not what we can bring in terms of our good works, but it's our brokenness. All we can bring to the foot of the cross is our brokenness, is our disappointment, the pain that Barb talked about as we shared, the lack that we bring is what we can bring to that point. So we see the crisis point for the older brother there. Remember when the younger brother had that crisis point in the pig pen, he came to his senses, didn't he? He realised his lack. He realised that he needed to be back at his father's feet. And it's in those moments, those crisis points of life, where we actually find out what we're made of. The thing that's actually in us bubbles to the surface at that point, um, Ray Andrews, a um, Christian psychologist, if we spent some time um, reading his teaching, says that who you are is revealed in your, in your worst moment. You are who you are in those worst moments. And we see the older brother in that worst moment. What bubbles to the surface for him? Anger, jealousy, 
bitterness, rejection, accusation, unforgiveness directed to his bro- not just to his brother but also to his father. He was resentful of his father at that point as well. Why do I feel compassion? We've got to remember that at that point he'd seen one third of his father's estate gambled away. One third of his father's estate had been gambled away. So the son comes back into the household, is restored. Again, we understand he's restored to full sonship, to full connection. So he has another full inheritance. So the older brother has, a, has is about to see another 33 and a third percent of his estate, of his inheritance, taken from him. So it's getting pretty serious. He's going to take a pretty serious breakup from his inheritance, given to a brother who squandered his portion. He was concerned that he was missing out. Let's head off on that detour now briefly. So the baby boomers, people who are about to retire and in that retirement phase, are holding an incredible amount of assets. In America, that age group is currently holding $68 trillion worth of, of, of property ready to be distributed into their next generation. In Australia, we hold... We, I'm just a baby boomer, I think. 64? No, I'm not. No. I'm too young. In, in Australia, we hold about 3.5... Uh, the baby boomers hold about $3.5 trillion of property currently in their hands. So what's a picture of a trillion dollars? Have anybody got an idea what a trillion dollars looks like? I want to try and give it a, I'm a pictures person, so I want to try and give you a bit of a picture of what a trillion dollars might look like. So if we took our trusty $100 bill, I think I brought this last time. If we took our $100 bill, <laughs> we took our trusty $100 bill and we took a million dollars worth of $100 bills and stacked them side by side, that would roughly stretch out I've done the math, so 10 is about a millimetre. So they're about 0.1 of a millimetre thick. So 10 is about, so about a metre. If we stack them side by side, a million dollars would run out to about a metre. A billion dollars. Anybody got how far we would get with a billion dollars if we can do that? Is anybody prepared to take its pun? No. This is not a speech, this is not a ration. I'd like to hear what you've got to say. Kilometre. Kilometre. You're a brave man, Doug. 600 metres. 600 metres. So you're in, you're in the ballpark. What about, let's go for the trillion. How, how far do you think if we stack these $100 notes side by side, would we get with a trillion dollars? No, no one's prepared. We just get from here, roughly, we just get to the outskirts of Sydney. A thousand kilometres. It's a thousand kilometres, just under a thousand kilometres if we stacked a trillion dollars of hundred dollar notes side by side next to each other. Bill Gates, poor old Bill Gates, would only have $86 billion, so that only get him 54 kilometres. Hardly worth the effort. What's my point? That's a, it's a silly object lesson, but what's the point? There is plenty to go around. Even our earthly fathers have an incredible wealth to pass down their inheritance. We are sons and daughters of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, we're talking about money, but I don't want to just talk about the monetary part of that. There's so many more things he has for us 
in this place because he has plenty to go around. We don't fear that we're going to miss out if someone else is blessed. I said, I'm not talking just about the cold, hard cash. It's that sense of love and care, that nurturing place we find ourselves here in Bridge City Church. This church here has a great capacity to nurture and care for the people in this group we see here today. But through the enabling of his spirit and our preparedness to open up and share what we've got, there's so much potential for capacity to increase in this place, to be part of his story, to be part of an ever-expanding faith community. We understand we can get bogged down in our little place. We go to our little church at Lamaroon. We, we understand that that's a small part of an ever-expanding kingdom. Every moment of every day, as we speak now, people are coming to faith. People are making that decision to follow Christ, to transform their life. Every moment of every day, the kingdom continues to expand at an ever-expanding rate every moment of every day. Yeah. And as I spend time listening to the leadership team here and a part of, of what's going on here, I'm excited by the prospect of the strategies that are being put in place to make that capacity happen here in Bridge City Church. And I really believe that this place is set for growth. Providing a nurturing environment allows things to grow. And I really got, I think God's really been speaking to me about that. Let's look at the church logo. I was really encouraged when I looked at that church logo. Obviously, Bridge City Church captures our location. We're in Murray Bridge. We understand that to be the case. But it's more than that. It really speaks to me about what our task here as a church is right now, right here. To play that role of bridge builders into the community that surround us. To build outwards. And I think that picture of that, that fullness of love expressed of Jesus' love for people expressed in that uh, picture of the bridge is really important because it's transposed so well also into Bridge City North. It's a, it's a picture that can be transposed into any church we find ourselves in. Have you ever noticed at the moment there are a lot of walls being built in Murray Bridge? Drive down High Marsh Road, the brickies are flat out and they're putting walls up. Quick as they can get the bricks there stacked back up. But there aren't too many bridges being built, are there? I want to reflect on that for a moment. So why are there so many walls going up and no bridges? Walls are pretty cheap and easy to build. And I, I'm not a builder, but I reckon if I had enough time and a bit of patience, I could build a pretty strong brick wall myself. It probably wouldn't look pretty, but I could build it. I could build a wall. So walls are easy to build and they're cheap to do. On the other hand, let's think about building a bridge, investing that time in a bridge. Uh, the federal and state government have just invested or committed to investing $5 million into actually building, uh, doing a plan to duplicate the Swanport Bridge. Just to, build the, just to plan it, not to build it, to plan it, $5 million. What's the message for us there? As we seek to build, build, build bridges into our community, as we seek to do what we do, expand our capacity to, to bring people to understand the love of Christ, it's going to cost us. We're going to have to make an investment at that point. We're going to invest. It will cost every one of us to some extent. But there's a great reward as well. We understand that to be the case. It requires great planning to build a bridge. As I said before, $5 million to come up with a plan to duplicate the Swanport Bridge. And then as we understand... Um, Pastor Rob and the team here are beginning to share those plans with you guys and they're being put into place. Um, 
and you guys have been around here long enough to understand that that's a real strength, the real forte of this church family, that they plan and they invest and they do things thoroughly. So we can be assured of that plan that's in place. It's a real strength. It causes upset to build a bridge. In fact, we understand that anything of substance, anything that's worth having, worth doing, causes upset and challenge. Any project, any endeavour that has significance will mean that we will be inconvenienced. Things that we, things will, some of them might sit in our chair. Gee whiz. <laughs> so the need to be flexible. We need to be, as we do, as our capacities increase, there's that need to be flexible, need to be gracious, to rely on the grace of God to flow out of us at that point. But bridges are incredibly important to each location we find ourselves in. So I've, done, I've gone to the Dipti site, Department of Transport and Industry, uh, Industry. Is that right? Doesn't matter. Had a look. I've got some more fun facts for you. The Swanport Bridge over here carries, on average, 8,000 vehicles per day, every day of the year. The old bridge, over on the other side, how many, how, many people, how many cars do you think goes across the old bridge? This is a really interesting fact. One thousand? I wouldn't have thought there was that many. Anyway, eight thousand is well done. Well done. <laughs> Top of the class. Eight thousand cars also cross per day over the old bridge in Murray Bridge. And without either of these bridges in play, we would actually find ourselves in pretty interesting traffic chaos. I think we're going to find out. We have been finding out. Has it been shut? It's going to be shut Monday. I saw that on the signs. What does that show us? Can I tell you that this location, this church, not just the physical location of the building, but the people placed in this church, the people with these skill sets and a life um, experience of each and every person in here plays a role in that location, being able to meet the needs of the people that are right here, right now with us. It's really important that those expansion plans that God has for the kingdoms are here at that point. I want to show you a scripture that's been really a pivotal influence in my life. Uh, which really reveals this, this concept of that bridge building. In fact, this truth was actually revealed to me in this very building about 15 years ago by a dear pastor. I've never done this before. I think we should read this aloud together. Let's go. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Through us. It's a great scripture. What's the key word in that piece of scripture? Us. Oh, Dana. <laughs> Thank you, Dana. Us. Us is the key word there. God in his wisdom has assigned us, Bridge City Church, to that task of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciling people to himself. It's really important to note that. They speak, all through that scripture, Paul speaks about us and we. Us and we. 
and not you and I. Always in the plural, never in the singular, never in that single person. The church. Simply put, he loves, loves us all as individuals. He loves each of us as individuals. He loves you, Andrew. He loves you, Barb. He loves you, Anne. But he loves the church. He adores the church, the working together. We actually design for communion with God and community with each other. That's our divine appointment. The scripture says that eternity is written in our hearts. Eternity is written in our hearts. So there we are. There we're into that detour. All right. We've just let's just start back. Back. We're backing back to go back to the older brother. Okay. Back we go. So the two brothers. So we have these two brothers, the older brother and younger brother, who seem so different. One is volatile and rebellious, willful. One is faithful, staying home, doing his jobs, working hard, and yet. Despite those differences, they are so, so familiar, so, so similar in their journey. I want to just make two or three quick points about that. There are two brothers, but there also there are two pig pens. Now, obviously, we, we have that, if we go back to the picture of the first, the, the younger brother when he was off in that pig pen and that moment where he came to his senses, that's obviously a picture of a physical pig pen as a result of his foolish choices. But the obedient brother also finds himself in a pig pen back at home. He's back in that pig pen as well, simply because his, his sinful attitudes, his resentment, his, his um, bitterness towards his brother. He thought he was doing the right thing because of the external appearance, because of the good works that he'd done. But in his heart, he was still wallowing in the pig pen. Two brothers and two people who are far apart, far away, Do you know that we can be in that place? We can be in that far off country and yet still be standing next to the, in the church. That far off country is really anywhere that we choose to go that's outside of God's will. With those moments we decide we're going to willingly and rebelliously step out into something different. The prodigal left home to go where he could live and do what he wanted to, but the older brother stayed home with his physically there, but he was still had that. Bubbling resentment ticking away in his heart all the way through that, which was revealed at that point when the sun came back. Anger, jealousy, bitterness, rejection, accusation, unforgiveness. And even though he'd stayed with his father and stayed with his family, he was miserable. <laughs> he was miserable at that point. Yeah. One brother was feeding his uh, face with pods from the pigs, but the other brother was filling his heart with unforgiveness and jealousy towards his brother and as far as the older brother was concerned his brother was dead and he was I think he was quite, quite pleased to think that that might be the case dead in his disobedience of villain and he, he could see no chance of redemption for his brother that older brother could not see any chance of redemption he was dead to him and our words we understand that our, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and that's as he spoke those words, if we go back to that scripture, look at that. It says, this son of yours, he actually rejects not just the father, but the, the son, but the father at that point. He says, this, I, don't, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Hard place to find yourself.
two brothers and two paths to choose. So the reality for us is the path of freedom from the pig pens of life that we find ourselves is an attitude of repentance. Just to say, here I am, this is the way it is. And surrender to the will of Father. Just say, this is, we need to follow that path. And it's not a one-off prayer. It's not a thing that we just do once and then just step into it. So we're here. It's a continual lifestyle of, of coming to God and saying, this is a, examining our heart. Look at that condition of our hearts. The condition of our hearts is not necessarily revealed by what we do, but our attitude towards the living God and the community of people that surround us. That's really what, that's where the rubber hits the road for us. And the scribes and Pharisees were just confronted by Jesus who welcomed people who needed forgiveness into his life. But in reality, they were actually in a worse condition because they refused to even to think about what the state of their heart might be. If we want to get out of the pig pens of life, we must be willing to admit our state, be, be honest about where we find ourselves and come to Jesus, where we'll find forgiveness and restoration. Yeah. If we think back to that discussion we had about the rebellious son, the father received his words of repentance when he came to, to meet him at the gate, but he, didn't talk, he wanted to talk about, him, about what he was going to do. He refused to talk about his works. Need to be at that point. Hmm. I met a fellow the other day who was he shared to be his testimony, the story of his journey to faith, and he was a man who was who had had a nominal con- contact with uh, the things of faith. And he was given a video to watch. Uh, it was a video account of the Gospel of Luke. And he shared with me his journey of watching that video. He said that he was certainly convicted of the love of Christ for him, but at that point he understood his need of a saviour overall. After he got to the end of that video, the thing that he knew most of all is that he needed a saviour to rescue him at that point. We understand the love of God, but we need to understand that we are sinners in need of a saviour. Like the older brother, we can stand close to the father. We can be close to the father, but not in his household. We can turn up and we can present our own version of righteousness. We can do our, we can shine our, put our best clothes on, use our good language, do the right thing, but not necessarily be in the house. At Lamaru, we have talked many times about cranking the handle. We can come to church and crank the handle and do the do the things that we do, and not have God turn up. We need to have God turning up. We need to have God in everything that we do. We need to have Him at the centre of our journey. We can be in the church building but disconnected from God. We can be in the place that be, be taken and I've been in that place. <laughs> That's a, it's not a pleasant place to find yourself and to be outside the house. We need to be in our Father's house. We need to be in our Father's house. When the storms come and our world begins to shake, it's not much use standing on the veranda. <laughs> it's, no, it's no fun standing on the veranda. When the baking sun is doing its thing, it's just it's it's not going to work. It's not much comfort. Nowadays, when I think it's when it's unpleasant outside and I'm working, I'll think of every possible reason to get back into that house. Paperwork. I'll even go and do paperwork. I'll even go and do my. We need to be in the house. The place to be is in this comfort and this protection inside the house.
I'm going to show you this scripture, Psalm 19. This is really, and I prayed the first, the second part of this prayer this morning before we started. This scripture says, keep cleansing me, God, and keep me from my secret selfish sins. May they never rule over me, for only then will I be free from fault and remain innocent of rebellion. So may the words of my mouth, my meditation thoughts, and every movement of my heart be always pure and pleasing and acceptable before your eyes, Yahweh, my only redeemer and my protector. Keep cleansing me. It's a daily commitment. It's not a, it's not a commitment of willpower or my skill set that's been able to achieve that. It's a daily commitment to say, keep cleansing me. It's an accomplishment not by what I can do, but by the empowering, unmerited favour of God poured into my life, personified as Barb shared in his son Jesus. The extravagant, unfailing love of God as Barb talked about, that brings us back to that true north. That's a great picture, Barb, of being in that true north. We need to daily find that spot to recalibrate our compass and make sure that our hearts are towards him. So there you go. There's two detours. Let's try and tie a few of these loose ends together as we finish up. First one. Live a lifestyle of repentance, a lifestyle of radical forgiveness and surrender to his story. Live a lifetime. Let's say that again. It's really important. Live a lifestyle of repentance, continually asking him to cleanse you, of radical forgiveness as we do life together as a community. We need to be gratefully forgiven of each other and allow that love to work within us and surrender to his story. Be prepared to be a part of his story. Confident that the creator of the universe has more than enough. He's got more than $63 trillion dollars. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He will provide for us in every aspect, not just the cash, spirit, soul and body. He has the resources to care for each and every one of us and beyond. How many people live in Murray Bridge? No, I needed a population number. Thanks, Carolyn, for putting your hand up. I was actually asking how many people, what's the population? Sorry, she does. 18,000. 18,000. Imagine if we had 10% of Murray Bridge population a part of the church here. Yeah. A tithe of the city. Think about that for a minute. Creative Unit has more than enough resources to deal with that. The seed needed to deal with increases in this place already. There's things placed in people's hearts already. Number two, spend your time in the house. Spend your time in the house. Enjoy the hospitality of our loving Father and spend time in his presence. Why do we need to do that? Because we are called to push over those walls. That's simple like that. Called to push over those walls and build bridges. Build bridges. Because we, the church, are the vehicle through which this community, this township, will have their salvation come to their household. As it did to yours. As it did to yours. Because we've been given a mission from God. And that is the ministry of reconciliation. Let me pray for you as we we finish up. (coughs) Father God, I just pray for these guys here. I just thank you that um, 
placed in this house is all we need. Father, in your hands, as we bring what we have in our hands, that you can transform this township, this station. I pray that we will understand that we are the bridge into this community, Father. I pray that we'll find the ways to share what we have to, to have this place increase, Father. I thank you for that. I thank you for that, that picture of increase you've given us and for the potential you've, you've put in our, in our, in our sights. So, Lord, we just pray your blessing over the rest of the time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. Or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. 